Welcome to the Canny Conversations podcast, Conversations with a Cause, with social entrepreneur Safraz Ali. Saf came relatively late to entrepreneurship after working in both the public and private sectors. He coined a phrase that describes what he does as the mad entrepreneur that's make a difference entrepreneurship. As well as being the author of the Canny Bites books, Saf's business interests cover health and social care, business and corporate events, as well as him being the CEO of Pathway Group, a welfare-to-work and skills provider. In these podcasts, he shares his thoughts with journalist Adrian Kibler. So, let's join the conversation. Hello and welcome to Canny Conversations with uh, my friend Safraz Ali. Um, these are conversations, canny conversations with a cause that we hope will captivate your curiosity cannily. And these are a series of, uh, of broadcasts um, and really they're a great success because of what I've done. Um, you know, I've really been the driving force behind behind these things and then they wouldn't have been nearly as good as they've been if you hadn't been for me. Uh, and today we're talking, Saf, not about me, but we're talking about people who within an organisation feel they always have to try and claim the credit for pretty much everything. Um, uh, you've come across those people uh, uh, and I guess you, you still do. Uh, how do you deal with them? But, but the first thing I want you to say, Saf, is yes, yes, everything you said at the beginning was absolutely, absolutely true. It's absolutely right. Absolutely. And I, and I always do that. I always give you the uh, the credit. And I think this is the word, isn't it? It's about credit for certain things that people have achieved or not achieved, but let's differentiate that from praising somebody, you know, and praising it with the right intention. And I think a lot of this is about intention. There's certain people that need praise. There's certain people that actually, you know, seek and crave it. And then there's other people who sort of are motivated by it. And then there's others who are sort of demotivated if they're not acknowledged, another, another key word here. So, yeah, it's about taking credit. Some people are all about themselves and, you know, you can see it and everything becomes about themselves and they bring you back to themselves and, they're, you know, they're really self-focused and it's about either themselves or their, you know, the successes they've achieved or they're talking about their team, but really it's all about themselves or they're talking about maybe their family member and really it's about, again, themselves or it's about giving examples where, people are sharing things about themselves or the situation, but genuinely it's about moving and improving that conversation and there's a purpose in terms of why they're saying it and you know what they're saying for. So let's talk about, if we talk about people, I think often we don't praise the people that need to be praised or acknowledged and there is genuinely a lack of that. There's a lack of not enough praise and we need to be, more comfortable with saying when people have done a good job and pe- giving people the credit for achieving uh, what they have what they've achieved if i give you an example well, there's a situation where one of the one of our, the managers that i work with said that people aren't used to it and i turned that question around and said well is it the people aren't used to it or are you not used to saying it and they're not used to hearing the praise from you the two different things or three different things. And really it's acknowledging people, particularly if they're if they've gone above and beyond, if they're at the sort of shop floor or you know uh, the the front line, the call face, the chalk face, 
is absolutely a must, isn't it? And, and I think, uh, you know, we, we sometimes as, as individuals look to catch people out doing wrong things or look for faults in people. But I think we need to start looking at catching people out when they're doing the right things. Well, absolutely. I mean, the vast majority of people respond much more positively to, to, to praise than they, than they do to criticism. Being praised and feeling valued, in my opinion, is the biggest motivator that, that people can have in the workplace. Um, you know, probably, uh, dare I say, even a greater motivator than um, the financial uh, rewards. Uh, but talking about you've got somebody in a team who is very self-obsessed, very seeking of praise, often claiming credit, sometimes credit which, you know, is, is due to others. I think, Saf, that the first reason thing that a good manager would ask is why? Because the truth is that a lot of people who seek that sort of affirmation do it because they are, in fact, incredibly insecure. And in, in, in many respects, you know, being constantly looking for reassurance, being constantly looking for praise can be a sign of, of huge insecurity. Do, do you agree with that? I think you have, you have all sorts. There are sorts of people who, you know, who, are, who crave it, who've got an ego you know, a narcissist in, in some, some aspects of it, look, they look at it and, and it's all about them and, you know, me being great and fantastic and, and so forth. And that constantly happens. But praise is a form of feedback. You know, if I say to you, well done, but I give you why you've done well and I give you feedback of what I've noticed and aspects of that, which you know, I'm acknowledging, you know, well done because of this, this, this. There's an element, there's a depth to it. Then, you know, you'll take light of that. You'll, you know, you listen to that. If I, if I just, but if it's part of my normal language and, you know, you, you know, you've given me something and say, thank you, well done. It's not regarded as really that level of feedback. So it's an element of feedback, but praise for not the sake of praise, but praise with some element of feedback, I think is, is where the individual should be looking for that. And I think we all need feedback in our different ways. There's so many dimensions to this. You know, there's an element of acknowledgement. There's an element of, you know, taking people for granted. It should people ask for feedback? You know, I think feedback is continuous. It's it's there. You know, when we also look to give feedback, we start with giving something positive, then we go in and give something you know, negative, and then we sort of try and end up with something a little bit more positive. But the person focuses too much on the negative because you know, we're not trained to give feedback or we need to hone our skills in terms of giving feedback. But there's so many different levels of, of dimensions to, 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 to this. Well, well, I think there are a number of, of issues and I think, you know, some of it is quite scientific. I mean, the, the, we, we have part of our brain and I can't remember what the technical term is, but it's that part of the brain that senses fear. Uh, that senses threat. And if you say a series of things to me which are positive and then you say something that is negative, if you did a, a scan of my brain, you would find the blood would be very quickly going to that part of the brain, which is the emotional part of the brain, which is the part of the brain that responds to threats because people process uh, negatives, people process what they perceive as being threatening far more quickly than they do positive things. And as we're in the animal world and we, you know, we're in the, the realms of the human zoo, and I think a man called Dr Desmond Morris years ago wrote a very good book called The Human uh, Zoo. We are animals. We are 
part of the animal kingdom, and it is hardwired within our DNA over millions of years to seek to dominate, to seek to display. Particularly the case with males. Females are much more sensible than all the rest of it because, you know, they they are less inclined to show off. They are more collaborative. They are more sharing. They are more empathetic. But the male of the species is genetically hardwired to show because that's how he takes control of his of his harem of females. That's the way that he protects his territory. I'm really serious about this. We have millions of years of, of, of evolution that have left a situation where we as males are predisposed to try to dominate others, to try to impress, to try to show. And and that's part of what's happening, isn't it? In a team situation, a team is a pack and somebody tries to assert themselves as the leader of that pack. Did, did you not agree with that? There's there's so many things there that you've got to unpack and you've got to look at and 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 you know as managers and leaders you know we've got to start understanding human nature, human characteristics, how people tick, and and part of that is a really understanding you know what what our drivers are, you know what our belief systems are. And really, we've got to be attuned to that. We've got to be aware of that. We've got to be attuned to it. And it's continuously learning and understanding people and and understanding how people function and how people function when others are, are in that team. You know, we've had situations where, you know, we're alerted to certain keywords. So, you know, we've got out this reticular activation system. You know, you talk about the brain before, you know, you've got different levels to that. And we, we have that sense where people feel threatened they, they feel the sense of challenge, but it's also understanding people's comfort zones and really under, and being in a position where they understand that if the individual cares, you know, we've, there's a saying is that, you know, we, we listen to the person that says it for the right reasons. If I know that you care, then I care in terms of what you say. Uh, and it's really understanding all of that. But yes, there's an element of, you know, this peacock element where, you know, you're showing off and you're sort of, trying to overpower people but it's really what's behind that what's the depth to that is that a form of insecurity for that individual you know is that person doing it because they need that element of they understand that they're they're they've got certain weaknesses they understand they're threatened and this is a way that is a huff and buff puff and bluster because they're trying to distract you know so they're they're trying to move away from uh, from that, so they're trying to distract. They're trying to trying to move it away from where their own weaknesses are or their own issues are, and move it to to something else. And you know, we as as managers, as leaders, as uh, people who are more attuned to understanding people, need to be more conscious that you know what's behind that. There's there's always something. There's always something that's going to be behind people's actions and why they do certain things. And 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 it's not about us being psychologists here, but it's really being attuned to these signals, attuned to what's been said, and and really the underlying aspects of of the reasons why I say it. And people sometimes don't come to the point uh, straight away, but it's really reading between the lines and understanding what's been said and the context behind it, and what's the cause, the root cause of it. Yep, yeah, the, the truth, though, of course, Sav, is a, a lot of leaders don't got a clue. They don't have a clue how people work and how people think. Um, and, that, and that's one of the big problems. We're going to come back to the point I made earlier on. What are the two biggest drivers in terms of human behaviour?
The second biggest driver in terms of human behaviour is self-preservation. And self-preservation is about being top of the pack, being a leader, being, um, you know, the last one to get picked off when the, the, the hyenas start, start, start taking the weakest. The biggest driver in all human behaviour is preservation of the species. And that's about basically making sure that future generations survive. You know, that, that goes beyond self-preservation. I mean, there are enormous, you know, number of examples of the animal world where, you know, one of the species, well, where the male of the species mates and but knows in the process of doing that, they'll probably end up dying. You know, they're getting eaten by the female. But in that case, their, their desire to keep the species going is greater than their desire to self-preservation. Understanding these primeval drivers uh, is something which a lot of managers just don't understand and I think that in terms of you know someone showing off within a team more often than not if you want to curb that behavior you you take them to one side and you give them a level of reassurance and you'll find that behavior will be modified that's that's generally been my experience I don't know about you yeah I mean again a lot of things there I mean self-preservation for me often is about security uh it's not necessarily about winning and winning is a different streak. We're going into slightly different territory here, but self-preservation is about, you know, we talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's about your basics. It's about your security. And, and people sometimes are secure in a way. They don't like change. They don't like to be brought to the surface. They just want to stay under the radar. They just want to carry on as they are. And there's that. So they don't they don't want the attention. They don't seek the attention. They just want uh, things to, to carry on. And then there's others who are more dominant in terms of, you know, looking to win, looking to gain, looking to become number one. And it's the constant element at, at all cost. And this is where that also causes trouble and it has caused many, you know, you know, we've, we've got many examples where that banker, the example of the, 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 the risks that they take and it's about winning at all costs, that's slightly different to self-preservation. It's not about self-preservation, it's about getting the limelight and really coming out on top at all times. And really if you're in that position where you want the attention, you want the element of you want to be number one, you know, and you, you crave it at all costs, you're prepared to take uh, risks, you take to, prepare to take a gamble, and you know, you're prepared to walk over people, you're prepared to put uh, the organisations, uh, pedigree, the, the brand, the reputation at risk because, um, you know, the, how your mind thinks and how, you know, and what you think is, uh, what you think is right. And underneath, people know that they will get caught out and it will backfire. But for that moment, the person carries on. And we've got many examples of, of, of that. And they're living for the now. They want the attention and it's short-termism. And that's different to, in my eyes, and, and that's different to somebody who is just looking to, to get along. But if you go back to validation and praising and acknowledging people uh, from a, the lessons learned uh, from a manager is we've got to be attuned to, you know, what works for people. If you start, if I start praising somebody and they're, they're, they might be alerted to, you know, what does this person want? So that might be the first thing. They might not be used to it. They might be thinking, well, I've never been, been acknowledged before. So you've got to start thinking from a practical day-to-day leadership management perspective I mean, how do we get to a position where we can give feedback, we can praise people, we can give them constructive feedback, we can give them critical feedback without them putting the 
putting barriers up without them running scared, without them thinking the fact that, you know, is this a challenge? And for them to actually really listen into the depth of what's been said without really, as I said, you know, putting uh, putting barriers up. And I think that's really what we need to try and get to. In one voice, you're saying, you know, people shouldn't be show-offs and they shouldn't be trying to peacock. And that's exactly what most companies do encourage them to do that's the culture within most companies if you've got a, a system where you know within a group of people there's key, key performance indicators and those key performance indicators are, are published and people are encouraged to compare themselves against others don't complain if people peacock and try and put themselves at the top of the pile I mean, these are aspirational targets. I mean, this is about growth. This is about also benchmarking and, and looking at improvements. Um, and, you know, a, con- a, c- a culture of high performance is about transparency. It's about showing the numbers and being open to discussing and and, and being in a position where, you know, you can get uh, growth. Um, you know, there's an epidemic uh, disease, uh, you know, which, which is boasting. And boasting is different to... A high performance and a culture of high performance and, and looking to improve. You know, people sometimes boast, praise themselves when there's, there's no substance. That's not really about results or outcome or being number one or getting to that position where you're aspirational. And I think, you know, we've got to see, you know, what's behind that. Where Where is the depth to it? You know, otherwise it's like you're in a position where, you know, just repeating, and repetition has many benefits, but repetition for the sake of repetition and repeating something which isn't necessarily true or correct or has no sense or depth to it does backfire. But if you've got a situation where a group of people have a set of key performance indicators in terms of sales or leads and all the rest of it, and those performance figures are, are, are published and shared around, you can hardly complain if people start to, you know, be highly competitive w- w- with each other and feel themselves threatened. Because if you're in a group of six people and you've got less sales than anybody else in the six, you're going you're gonna to feel threatened. That's, that, that's, that's the nuts and bolts of it. That's basic human nature. So the only point I'm making is, you know, don't criticise people for peacocking when, when when the systems are in place within many organisations that absolutely encourage that sort of behaviour. I mean, in, in that particular situation, people may feel threatened, but they're not going to go out and boast. They look at ways of improving. So that's that. you've got to see that as a positive. The peacocking element is blatant showing off where there's no substance and, you know, validating themselves and, and, and promoting themselves. And, and it's that whole element of they stop believing their own hype, they stop believing their own PR, and they stop believing uh, their, their own successes. And, and one thing that I, that we have learned is that sometimes success begets failure because it leads to failure. If somebody is, you know, complacent, they're in a position where they, they feel that, you know, they've achieved it all, they've done it all. What you'll find is that if you're number one, soon you become number two and number three because, you know, you lose that mantle because you're not looking to continuously grow. You know, and this is where sometimes where, where larger organisations fail because then they haven't got that same level of ambition, drive that they had when they weren't number one or they weren't at the top and, and these charts are, are never constant. They're all evolving, evolving. But what does that do? That it looks at improving. And if you're if you're at the bottom of the league, and you see it as a positive, then hopefully you're looking to improve. But so there are some people that f- give up. 
that will say, you know what, I'm at the bottom of the league, I've got no chance of going going anywhere. That's when you're taking it in a negative light. It should be seen as a motivator, but more importantly, as as a driver for you to uh, to improve and grow and, and aspirational and benchmark yourself. Why would some companies, I'm not saying yours does, but why would some companies effectively set employer against, employee against employee by having league tables in terms of performance? Surely you don't have to do that to encourage and help people to improve. That's the form of benchmark. You know, it's about transparency. It's about an organisation being in a position where they recognise, they praise the people who have achieved success. It's like, you know, it's a culture where it, it is a competitive environment. It's a culture where you can strive to something and giving people the opportunity to see, you know, what people can achieve. Otherwise, you're, you're in a position where you think, you know, how, you know, how do you how do you benchmark? You know, and you need that element of uh, some element of objectivity and some element of competition and and some element where you can you yeah, can yeah, but you don't have to share it. That's the point I'm making. If people are are, are, are struggling, you you can help them and to encourage them and support them to be better. If people are doing well, then you can praise them and recognise their success. But what you don't have to do is create these internal league tables, in effect, which just promote uh, fear. And therefore, what that fear does is, is when people are fearful, people are anxious. And when people are anxious, their performance drops. You, you see it all the time. If you're on a cricket field and you're in, you're in a slip cordon and somebody, you know, nicks the ball and you drop an easy catch, are you more likely to drop the next catch because everybody turns around and says, ha, stupid. You know, what an easy catch that was. You should have held that. Or if they say nothing, the more you put pressure on people, the, 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 the worse they will perform. And what these internal league tables do is they are essentially trying to create peer pressure through fear. They're about creating a, a short-term competition competitive type type element. Uh, I agree with you entirely, Staff, that people who are struggling need to be supported for their own good and also for the good of the organisation. And I absolutely agree with you that people who are doing well need to be praised and have that success recognised. But what you don't have to do is set up these diversive uh, internal structures, which some companies do. Do you not see the point that demotivating people, knocking people, criticising them, um, making them feel bad about themselves doesn't do anything in, in terms of proving their or the organisation's performance. Uh, I think, again, there's a, there's a few things that, they, that you've said, which, which is predominantly seeing it as a negative in terms of transparency about openness and, and about tripping people up. It's not about tripping people up or, uh, yes, fine, success. You know, if you're on a winning streak, you're likely to have achieved more success and so forth. But it's also not resting on your laurels, isn't it? So, you know, success does breed success, but success also begets uh, failure as well, leads to failure. And it's that element of continuously looking to improve. You know, if you're in a position where you feel that you're at the bottom of the league uh, or you're in a position where you're doing what you're doing, what's the comparator? And it's really about making people aware. It's about the first thing of any action is awareness. If you haven't got the awareness, if you haven't got the benchmarks, if you haven't got that understanding, and you, and I think you need competition within teams and I think you need competition within... Uh, within organisations to try and create high performance and create a culture where 
performance matters and performance is what we're about, but not at any cost. And we've got to see the positive in any situation. Yes, we can focus on the negatives and say, well, actually, you know what, we need to mollycoddle people and we need to support people and so forth. But it's the same thing, isn't it? Supporting in a positive way to actually grow or supporting to try and protect people. Support in a positive way, absolutely. And, you know, I, I couldn't agree more more than that. And, I, you know, I couldn't agree more than, you know, there will be people in any organisation that where the performance needs to improve and they need help. What I'm suggesting is that having these sort of league tables which set employer against em- employee against employee don't help. You know, we're in, we're in unusual circumstances because of COVID. But why are so many young people frightened of uh, of examinations that would be taking part, place at the, the, this time of the year? The answer is they're not. They're not frightened of the exam. They're frightened of being shown up when the results are published. You know, children, uh, young people, when they have examinations, that those results should be shared between themselves and the college that they're going to. They shouldn't be published. Individual results shouldn't be published. It just doesn't help. It is counterproductive. It is old-fashioned. I mean, what does success? What does good look like? I mean, that's the question, isn't it? I mean, when you look at you look at anything, you look at uh, some sort of benchmark, some sort of barometer. You know, whether it's school, you know, in terms of your area, whether it's a neighbourhood, you look at figures, you look at numbers, you look at comparators, you look at measurement, you know, that, that measurement might be crime rates. So you want the you know lowest crime rate, you might, you might be quality of life, quality of service, and everything revolves around data numbers and it's part of life. And, and you know, we're, again, with, in terms of schools and so forth, it's the results and the results drive our view on certain things. You know, our environment dictates behaviour and, you know, you create an environment where, you know, there are going to be winners. There are going to be some people who, you know, who aren't winners, who are losers. And, you know, it's like um, having a school race and, and saying, well, everybody's a winner, everybody's going to get a badge. That's not life, unfortunately. Well, actually, it's, it's actually nothing of the sort. You know, in a competitive situation like a sport or a race, uh, you have that level of competition. But what it should always be focused on is improving performance. And improving performance for the most but occasionally yeah you will get individuals where what they needed to kick up the backside but but for the vast majority of people the vast majority of people don't do things badly because they did deliberately choose to do things badly they do things badly or they struggle because they need they, they need help they need support they need reassurance and creating a situation in which they are effectively um, demeaned amongst their peers is not going to help them and it's not going to help the organisation and it's encouraging the peacocking that we've already talked about and it's encouraging the the, the show-off behaviour that we've already talked about. I think your current position and where your past is doesn't doesn't necessarily dictate the fact that that's where you are going to be in the future. These things do change and it's how we overcome these obstacles, how we see these things and, you know, we've got to be in a position where you see the benefit of it and see in terms of how do you actually grow as individuals, how do we grow as people and, you know, yes, we can go to the position where there's got to be certain elements of protection and we talk about welfare and we talk about mental health and we've got to talk about those things and we can't take those lightly but we've got to be in a position where you encourage, you nourish and you nurture growth and you nurture people to get the best possible outcome that they can achieve and be in a position where 
you know, they can be the best versions of themselves and the better versions of themselves and continuously strive on a journey of lifelong learning and lifelong continuous improvement. And I think this is how you see it. We, we can look at the negatives of, of any aspect of it or, you know, the, the pros and cons. There's always going to be pros and cons. I, I agree with all of that, Saf, and you're absolutely right and, 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 and very wise in that respect. All I'm asking you is, is how demeaning people in front of their peers helps to achieve those objectives. It's not. It's never. It's It's never about. It's never about uh, making people a scapegoat or or demeaning anybody. I think it's more. It's about aspirational targets, aspirational achievements, and celebrating success, celebrating achievement. Uh, it's not necessarily about reprimanding or putting people backs up because that that is a demotivator. But it's about really looking at uh, challenging people to be uh, to be better, to growing. You know, in, and, and there's always going to be that element of challenge and support. You know, when it comes to uh, board meetings and your peers, you need the right level of challenge, but you need also the right level of support. And the two go hand in hand. How do you challenge somebody? How do you create a high perform? Everybody talks about a high, a high performing culture, but how do you create that? You know, so yes, you can. You could. You're focusing more on the uh, on the support element of it, and not and and the and the element of not naming and shaming. But how do you? But where is the success coming from? How do you create that high performing culture? And that's what we've got to focus on in terms of, you know, where does that come from? Where do, you know? How do you look at those improvements? Now that's that, that's all very good stuff that's a fine view it's a fascinating topic and you know if we were if we had an hour or two hours we'd probably still be talking about it but we haven't got an hour or two hours that's been a, a pretty vigorous conversation Safa, and of course that's what friends do they have ideas and it's not a case of being right or wrong and um, you know some people will agree with me and some people will uh, no doubt agree, uh, agree with you and that that's more more important um what really matters is what our listeners think. We want you to join our conversation. We want you to hopefully like, hopefully subscribe, and most importantly of all, let us know what you think. And we'll be, we'll be back next time having another conversation amongst friends. Thanks for listening to this Canny Conversation with a Cause. These conversations are based upon the Canny Bites books by Safraz Ali, available on Amazon. To find out more, go online and visit Saf's website, pathwaygroup.co.uk, or join him on social media. He can be contacted at safraz at pathwaygroup.co.uk. This is a 1386 audio production.